Hi, my name's Laura, and I'm a food and eating addict. I'm also getting over some sort of respiratory thing, and I have a cough. So I've just dosed myself with cough medicine, and I have a cough drop in my mouth, and hopefully that will keep me calm while I'm talking. Um, I'd like to start uh, my share again by um, saying a prayer, which is a prayer I say to myself daily. I think it's the 10-step prayer, or my version of it anyway. God, I ask that you please remove from me any selfishness, dishonesty, manipulation, self-pity, and fear in my life today. Help me to cease fighting anything or anyone. Show me how I can be of service to someone else. Thank you. Amen. And as I've been pondering over my story today, what has really come to me is that I want to share not so much that it's my story, but that it's the story of the God in my understanding, whom I refer to as God. Um, That's just me. Everybody can have his or her own higher power. I also will say, before I start, I have a lot of caveats. Um, I have a couple brain injuries, and so I sometimes lose my train of thought and can't get it back, and I apologize in advance for that. I'll start quickly with what it was like. Um, I had an older brother who's deceased. He died from this disease, um, and I have a younger sister. And we were preacher's kids. And I bring this up to say that that meant that in the small communities that we lived in, we swore we were in a fishbowl. And it was actually enough of a fishbowl living at home behind the walls of our house with my mother, around whom... I always felt like I had a target on my back, never safe at home. Um, For me, they were my parents. The fishbowl part that it relates to the public is that from I don't know what age on, people were coming up and greeting me wherever I went and I had no idea who they were. They knew my dad. They were members of our church. And so I got good at displaying one person on the outside and being another person on the inside. As I referenced, there was a lot of tension and violence and threats of violence Um, not very much affection or love shown, Um, some outright hatred uh, displayed from one or both of my parents, my brother and sister and I. And 
I apparently decided at a very young age that I was going to use food as a way to block out my fear or lessen it um, and as a way to relieve myself from my confusion um, about why am I not safe, why am I not loved. Um, I wasn't thinking those things. I was feeling those things. My earliest memory of food is about two and a half years old. First memory of my life is of me getting upset with someone taking away some food from me. And from there, it just went. Um, I was a chubby child, chubby through elementary school, junior high, high school, and really was a pariah um, to people who might have been my friends otherwise, if I was so obese. And I also was a pariah in my house. My brother didn't understand me. My sister couldn't stand me. My mother, I was an embarrassment and a source of shame to her because my weight was simply a reflection of her being a poor mother. Um, My father was very well esteemed in his career, very depressed and afraid of his wife. My mother was a full-blown narcissist. And so really nobody felt good and safe and comfortable at home. And I was glad to go off to college and um, was able to lose weight during my college years, but always gain it back home during the summer. And in my early 20s after I graduated, I sort of just gave up on dieting. You know, I did all the diets of deprivation um, that have been out there in the world. Um, And, you know, I would get excited about starting a diet. I'd go on a diet, and that meant to me I would go off of a diet. And at some point, the scale became meaningless to me because the number was never going to read what I wanted it to. And even when I lost weight and I saw how much I weighed, I always gained it back and more. So I got into recovery when I was in my late 20s um, and went to another program first and was told by a therapist that we could not progress in therapy unless you know, I addressed what was going on underneath my food and eating addictions. So I very reluctantly came to OA, having had felt some spiritual relief and growth in the first program I was in. I figured that OA would also provide me growth if I worked that program to the best of my ability. And I would go to meetings 
and go late and leave early to avoid talking to people and getting hugs or having to give them and just generally not be noticed. Although I weighed at that time, my highest weight was 400 pounds. Um, so I do believe I was just pretty noticeable, but inside, I just wanted to hide. Um, before I got into recovery, what brought me into the rooms was wanting to kill myself from becoming a stranger to myself from the head down. I was completely divorced from my feelings. You know, my state of mind was anxiety, high anxiety, 24-7. I didn't sleep much. Um, I was always on the lookout. So when I went to OA, as I said, it took me a little while to settle in to come, you know, before the meeting started and stay till after it closed. And um, during that time, I fairly quickly got into service and have done all different kinds of service in OA and in all my other programs uh, over the years I've been in recovery. And you know, the night that I wanted to kill myself, having been a preacher's kid, I believed in God, and I just, I didn't have, I had a very childlike, childish view of what that meant, but I did know enough to say, God, if you get me through tonight, I'll get help in the morning, and that was the beginning of my new relationship with um, a higher power. That has grown and taken some hits and grown back stronger throughout my years um, of healing. And really, even before then, you know, I always say to people, I'm an alcoholic that ran into food first. I'm a low-bottom addict um, in all my programs. And food and eating addiction is my primary. I believe that growing up, my little girl did the most noble, beautiful job she could to survive the chaos and the extreme lack of safety in our home. And so I love that little girl. And I love that young woman, that teenager. And I love my higher power for getting me through that time. However, you know, millions of ways that he did that, the very few that I know of, you know, like 20 different things I can remember and then the the other rest of the million that I don't even know about that he kept me safe. And he got me into the rooms. Um, And I will forever be grateful for his um, grace and mercy. And, you know, neither of my siblings 
got into recovery and I don't know why I'm the one that did. And I don't question it too much. Sometimes I have guilt. Um, Mostly I have gratitude that that was the path that my life took. Once in recovery and once in OA, um, and I started taking steps to uh, change my way of eating, uh, both what I ate and how I ate, when I ate. That came with a lot of rebellion from me because nobody was going to tell me anything about how I was going to eat anything. And, of course, nobody in OA was trying to do that. I was just that afraid. And I wasn't sure I wanted to lose weight because it's the only me I knew. I was a very overweight um, person. Eventually, things started kicking, and a hurricane of emotions started to arise. And I'm so grateful that I was doing service in my meetings because I needed to be there. And I'm afraid, I don't know what would happen if I hadn't had to show up with a key or to set out literature or to chair a meeting. Um, My higher power even made it easy for me to go to meetings. I was working for a company whose offices moved from one part of town to another part of town. And the building that we moved into was one that every time I drove past it on the interstate, I'm always like, I'm so glad I don't work there in that building. And we ended up working there. But more importantly, I had to drive past the OA meeting house to work on the way home from work and if I wanted to go to anywhere to lunch. So I had absolutely no reason to not go to a meeting every day. And I was used to this in my other program. And so I started going to a lot of, lot, lot, lot of meetings. And somewhere along the line, I heard the phrase, meeting makers make it. And I believe that to be absolutely true for me. Um, I, I had my career, first of all, in social work, and then I took a 10-year hiatus and went and did business finance um, and decided it didn't really mean much to me, so I went back in the social work field. And I needed to go to OA, work program, be a sponsor, have a sponsor, work the steps, um, participate, and work through, work through my stumbling blocks and come to know my defects character. And that's pretty much where I am today. Um, I saw stumbling blocks, my defects of character. I notice them much quicker and I know which ones to look at whatever I'm going through that's disturbing me, it's going to fit in one of those categories. And they're all based from fear, self-centered fear. 
um, learning to trust in a power greater than myself was such a relief to me. And during this process, I had to do a lot of distancing from my family. And I was so grateful that I had God in my understanding who gave me a recovery family and a group of recovery friends that we were very close for several years. And Gentle reminder, three minutes. Thank you. And I have been through the death of my father, the death of two pets, the death of my brother, the death of my mother, actually two brain injuries, three subsequent concussions, moving across the country and back three different times, job changes. Most people have maybe maybe, maybe four or five jobs. I think I've had like 17 jobs as an adult, and I'm now on disability because of my brain injuries and can only work part-time. And I'm right now in a in a place of very strong grief, really breaks through grief. And, you know, I'm so very grateful to have people in my life today and how God reaches me through them and how through prayer and meditation I stay in conscious contact with my higher power. The fellowship of the program has meant everything to me and does mean everything to me. It's so important for me to be around my peeps, you know. People understand what I'm talking about and also have, you know, where they're all in meetings for the same reason. And I just want to touch real quickly on exercise. I didn't exercise. I didn't want to know what was going on below my neck with my body when I got into OA. And I am now to the point where I can hike 8 to 10 miles a day. And my BMI has gone from 70-something to being in the normal range, which is between 18, 5, and 25, I think. And that is unbelievable to me. I mean, I just can't, I can't, I say that and I still can't believe it. I've lost 260, 265 pounds. I don't weigh. I just trust my higher power and his nudgings about changing things in my food plan. And I stay, try to stay prayerful and ask for courage and openness and willingness. And I use a lot of affirmations, which is not necessarily one of the tools of the program, but it's been necessary for me because I forget very quickly how important I am and how loved I am and how safe I am. And I'll wrap up by saying, when I was suicidal, I said I was a stranger to myself. And through the 12 steps, the 12 traditions, concepts. (laughs) Almost made it. I have learned to not want to escape from myself. I've learned to live in my body and feel my emotions and embrace them and use them as a guide instead of things to be feared. And I'm always going to be a work in progress, always growing, 
always having challenges. And thank you for letting me share my story tonight or what I consider to be my higher power story. Um, Thank you. I'm going to quit talking because I'm about to choke again. Oh, goodness. (laughs)